Thanks, Tony, and good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. As Tony has said, we're continuing our series on our Christian walk, walking the walk we talk. Yesterday, I was out for a walk with one of my daughters, and it was icy, and the surface was quite uneven, uh, and uh, she was prancing about and dancing about, and I caught myself uh, catching hold of her as she was about to tumble and saying, just watch how you're walking, pet. And that uh, parental concern just, just bubbled out of me. Just watch your step. Watch how you're going. You're going to fall and come to harm. And as we grow as children, often we find that we, we want our walk not only to be safe, but something that our parents don't worry about and, in fact, brings them joy and happiness and pleasure. And that's the idea that, that comes across in today's section from the book of Ephesians. And that's what we've been thinking about in this series, this, this idea of trying to really ingrain attitudes into our way of life to shape our way of living, um, not trying to give ourselves prescriptive lists or, or things to tick off, but to shape the way that we walk in every moment and every day of our lives, to walk as the Lord Jesus would have us walk. So let's read our passage this morning, which comes from Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to read from verse 7. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So Paul here is telling us that we in our Christian lives need to walk in the light, to walk as children of the light. And he tells us what we should do in order to do that. And he tells us as well what we shouldn't be doing in that walk. And he sets up this contrast between light and darkness. And it's very clear from Paul's writing that he doesn't feel there is any scope for these two to mutually coexist, to be together. And we know that in our own lives. When we go into a room and turn on the big light, the darkness disappears. When we take a torch and shine it into a dark corner, the light is there and the darkness is gone. So as far as the light reaches, the darkness is obliterated. And that is what Paul is painting for us here. That the light and the darkness cannot coexist, and they certainly cannot coexist in our lives and in our community as Christians. And in fact, he tells us, and we're going to think about what should happen when they come into contact in the Christian church and it's important that we remember that. Paul is talking to Christians here. He is talking to believers, to people like you and me, about our way of life and our way of life within a Christian community. And before Paul really even gets to telling us to walk in light, he gives us the reason for it. In verse 6 before, he's talked about the punishment, the wrath that is coming to those who are disobedient. 
But that's not what he, he motivates us with here as Christians. We're, we're not being told to walk in the light or else. Instead, Paul points us to this change that has occurred in each of our lives when we became Christians. And he uses really dramatic and really striking language to do it. He says, you were darkness. Now, Paul could have said, you were in darkness, and that would be right. We were in the realm of darkness. We were darkened in our minds and our understanding. And so before we became Christians, we were in darkness, and that's true. But Paul goes further than that here. He says, you were the darkness. And one of the reasons I find that so striking is that there's, there's maybe a slight pass for us if we were in the darkness only. We might, we might be able to plead that, well, we were really just products of our environment. We were, we were prisoners of our circumstances. We were trapped inside an evil system. We were in darkness. And it, it reminded me of the terrible atrocities that were committed in the Second World War, and in particular, the Holocaust. And it made me think about the number of people who would have had to be involved in that whole operation and rounding the people up and transporting them to the camps and running those awful, awful places and all of the horrific things that were done there. But all of the people who were involved in doing that. And I wonder what they told themselves. I wonder how they justified it to themselves. And I suspect a lot of them told themselves that, well, we were just trapped within this evil system. We were just in the darkness and there was nothing we can do about it. But when those people were brought to trial by the Allies after the war, it was made clear that actually, you were the system. You were the darkness. You were the problem. And that's what Paul is telling us. You were darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. This incredible transformation happened when we came to faith in the Lord Jesus. This entire polar opposite nature, this entire switch of who we were. We were darkness, but we are light in the Lord. You think of someone like John Newton, who was a slave trader, and after meeting the Lord Jesus, became a Christian and a minister and a convicted abolitionist. There was a complete change in his life. Or someone like Saul, who was persecuting Christians with all of the energy that he could muster, and he meets the risen Lord, and his life is completely turned about. But what Paul is saying is actually each of us are souls of Tarsus. Each of us are John Newtons. That same huge change has happened. We came from being darkness to being light. And so as you walk in your life day to day, walk in light. Walk in light. Reflect that change that has happened in what you're doing. That is why we are to walk as children of the light. The change that has occurred in our lives. So the first thing then Paul tells us in the light of that is that we are to, to walk as children of the light and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That's what it means to him when he tells us to walk in the light. That's what he's telling us to do. As we walk in our day-to-day -day lives, we are trying to discern, to work out and do what is pleasing to our Lord Jesus. We are to walk as children of the light. And thankfully, Paul gives us what I've called three signposts to that. Three, three clear pointers to how we discern what is pleasing to the Lord Jesus. 
He tells us that in the brackets, and you'll see it in your Bible, the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Good and right and true. And those three ideas help us to steer our way as we're walking as children of the light. And none of them are difficult ideas. Good is the idea of goodness and probably generosity towards others. Kindness. And there's no real need to overcomplicate that. This isn't a a difficult theological concept because each of us knows what is good. And we know when we are being good and generous and kind. And we know when we are not being good. So goodness, right or righteousness, that word that, that is used to describe our relationship with God as Christians, we're totally right with God. But it also is what God considers right for our lives. And for a Jewish person, they would have found that in the law, God's standard for what was right and righteous. For us as believers now, we have learned Christ, as it were. And as we saturate ourselves in his word and and listen to it taught and discuss it amongst ourselves in fellowship, we learn what God wants. We learn the things that are important to God. We know what is right in his eyes. And again, Knowing what is right in God's eyes is not difficult. We know that God expects us to be fair and generous and gracious and forgiving and kind and all of the things that he wants of us. So good and right and true. And again, it's just what we understand true to be. What is actual? What is real instead of what is false? A quality, as someone said, that comes from God and from which spring the actions of truthfulness. It's that idea as a person that what he says he will do and what he says is true. So that the, the concept of integrity, of, of being who you present yourself to be, of being true, and also of speaking the truth and not indulging in distortions or lies or twisting or manipulation, but being truthful. And none of those three ideas are complex. Any of us down to very young children, can understand all of those three ideas. They're all things that we're familiar with in day-to-day life. Good, right, and true. And Paul gives us them as signposts to help guide us as we seek to walk in light. And the second thing I want you to think about is I don't want you to fall into the trap of thinking that this is just for the big ticket items of our lives the job, or who you marry, or which church you go to, or where you decide to live. They're not like a magic formula that whenever one of the big four questions of our lives come up, well, we we dust off, we bring down good, right, and true off the shelf, we dust them off, and we we, we hope we're going to find out what to do. That's not what this is at all. As we've been trying to stress in this series, this is about how we live day to day, moment to moment, breath to breath, in all of the small, ordinary, quiet, private, and often unseen things in our lives. This is about how you interact with the lady on the checkout at Little. This is about the hashtags that you follow on Instagram. This is about what you say to the teacher when they challenge you about the late or missing homework. This is even quieter than that about perhaps how we think about others in our own mind and in our own head, in the quietness of our own thoughts. This 
walking as children of the light is for the everyday and the ordinary of our lives. And I just want to counterbalance for a moment where we could go off the rails here. The Lord is not burdening us with a legalistic sieve through which he wants us to pass every act and agonize over and torment ourselves about the rightness of what we're doing. This is the Lord who said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Lord is giving us through Paul some simple principles that as we live become like second nature to us, like breathing as we go through our lives and we pause and think, is what I'm about to say or what I've just said good? Is how I'm about to present myself to these people true? Is how I'm going to treat that person fair or righteous? But the Lord is wanting us to live walking as children of the light in our day-to-day, moment-to-moment ordinariness. And the final thing as well I think is important to stress is that we are trying to discern what is pleasing to the Lord himself. In Proverbs, we're told that the Lord loves honest weights and measures. And that goes back to a time whenever you, you went to a grocer, and not that long ago in this country, and the grocer had a set of scales and you wanted so much coffee and he put it on one side and he put a weight on the other side and weighed it out. But the reality of that sort of a system is that very few people carry a 100 gram or a 200 gram weight in their pocket to check the grocer's weights. And it would be very easy for someone to hollow out a little bit of their weight and to defraud the customer, to take 10 grams or 20 grams or 30 grams or whatever back and no one would ever know about it. But Proverbs says that the Lord knows, the Lord loves honest weights and honest measures. We thought last week a little bit about how we can have hidden motivations and hidden expectations in our heart as we seek to to do these things. And if we're doing this, if we're walking in the light for the approval of others or for the reward of others, or maybe even for our own approval of ourselves, you will find that you confine it to the big visible actions in your life, the things that other people are looking at. And so the lady on the checkout at Little becomes less important because you probably will never see her again. She doesn't know who you are. No one is watching. No one is taking note. And so instead of this becoming a walk in every aspect of our lives, it becomes a display for people. But when we remember that we are doing this for the Lord... We are seeking to do things that please the Lord Jesus. Well, that gives a meaning and an importance and a significance to even the smallest and most invisible act, the thing that no one will ever see or know other than the Lord Jesus. And that's what makes a difference between performing for stage lights and walking as children of the light. We're doing this to be pleasing to the Lord All that matters to us is that he sees it. So we've thought about the three signposts and we've we've been challenged that this is for the small and ordinary things in our lives and we have remembered that as we do it, we are doing it for none other than the pleasure and approval of our Lord Jesus. So Paul has has told us to, to walk as children in the light. Then he also tells us to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And Paul, who, let's remember, is still talking to the Christian community here, is telling them that they must have no part 
in the unfruitful works of darkness. And that unfruitful obviously contrasts with the fruit of light that we've just thought about. Things that aren't good or generous, but are selfish. Things that aren't right and fair and righteous, but are sinful. Things that are not pure and true, but are false and lies. And those unfruitful works of darkness, Paul says, well, we are to have no part in that. We are to have no part of that in our community, in our lives, in ourselves. Take no part in those unfruitful works of darkness. A man lies about his qualifications and and spends most of his professional life deceiving people about uh, where he has worked and the qualifications that he has. He has not been true. A leader bullies and intimidates those around him and, and rules by fear. He has not been good. And an organization, perhaps, that attempts to, to cover up and quieten the voices of, of members who were abused while they were under their care, well, that organization is not being righteous. And yet the Lord tells us that there is nothing hid that shall not be made manifest nor is there anything kept secret, but it shall come abroad. These hidden acts of darkness in the Christian community will be exposed. But the worst outcome, actually, is when they are exposed to the wider world. Because that man who lied about his qualifications, well, he was actually a world-renowned apologist. That leader who bullied He was in charge of a well-known church planting network. That organization that tried to hide those who who suffered, well, that was an evangelical megachurch in the States with a superstar pastor. Those acts of darkness that were done in secret have become known abroad. And that's just within the last 18 months off the top of my head. And the problem is that those acts of darkness, instead of bringing pleasure to the Lord and honor to his name, bring disgrace and dishonor and destruction to the witness of the Christian church and destruction to the witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. None of those people got up one morning and just decided to deceive or to bully or lie. No one wakes up one morning and just decides they're going to cheat in their wife or they're going to steal from the company expense accounts or whatever it is. As one TV program when I was a child said, the road to darkness is a journey, not a light switch. But what is hidden will be manifest. If when no one is watching us, we are mean and false and sinful, ultimately at some point that will appear to the world in our lives. But also if in the unseen quiet moments we are being good and right and true, that will become manifest as well. And I have become convinced for myself, and I think probably for the Christian church in the Western world, what we need is less big names and big schemes and big buildings and more individuals who are committed quietly in their ordinary everyday lives, stacking the shelves or welding pipes or teaching children or whatever it is, 
in their families and their homes and their friendship circles and their neighborhoods and in the moment-to-moment ordinariness of their lives who are committed to walking as children of the light. And because these works are so toxic to the Christian community, Paul tells us not only don't have any part in them, but in fact we are to expose them. And the point I would make is that we are to expose the works, not necessarily the people, but Paul says we are to expose the works of darkness, the practices and the habits and the behaviors that might have crept into our lives individually and even in groups or corporately as a church. And it involves exposing them for what they are, ungood, unright, untrue. And it involves a rebuke of that behavior as well. How does that happen? Well, it it happens passively, actually. Firstly, by our lives, and then it happens actively as well by what we do. Simply you living your life, walking as a child of the light, walking in the light, your example radiates out from you. That example of your life exposes to other people the falseness and darkness of some of their attitudes and actions. Simply by you seeking to be obedient to the Lord, to please Him in your every day, that testimony exposes to others the works of darkness that perhaps are lingering in their lives. And more actively as well as a church in our teaching as we seek to teach the Lord's Word and to sit under its authority, that exposes to each of us areas where we have partnered with darkness. And it drags it into the light. And there are times even for a church when a habit or a behavior or a way of doing things or a sinful attitude has to be challenged. When, when the leadership of the church feels that they have to draw that out into the light. And I think as well we do it by our fellowship one with the other as we walk quietly together in community. As we hold each other lovingly accountable. As we notice perhaps things in your behavior and you notice things in mine. We draw each other or we draw those things out of each other and into the light in love and in grace and in fellowship. We help each other not to partner with the works of darkness, but to expose them in our lives. Do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So, as we close this morning, as we walk into the week ahead of us, the months ahead of us, the year stretching ahead of us, looking uncertain and certainly not the 2021 that any of us would have imagined. How do we walk in the light as Christians? Well, I hope that as we think about this, rather than giving you just a list of do's and don'ts, that we have, we have had our minds opened and that we know how to walk in the light. And so I just wanted to leave three, if you like, example challenges with you. I suppose the first one, thinking about being good or generous, is to challenge ourselves about our speech. 
Am I good in my speech about others or to other people? Do I speak kindly of them? Do I speak well of them? speak to my own heart? Am I good in what I say when I open my mouth, in my attitude to others, in my thoughts about them in my mind? Am I being good? Because that would be pleasing to the Lord. Am I being right? Am I being just in my life? And I thought perhaps about someone in their teens or in their twenties, maybe a young guy, and you know that there's a, a girl who likes you romantically and you have no particular interest in them, but you're happy to string them along for a bit for the attention, maybe until something better appears. Is that righteous? Is that what would be pleasing to the Lord? Truth, how do I present myself to others? Am I known as someone who says what they think? Or am I known as someone who is deceitful or maybe manipulative or who's great at spinning things? Am I what you see? Am I dependable? Am I what's actual and real when I say I'll do something? Is that true? Do I mean it? Are we good? Are we right? Are we true? These are the guiding principles for us as we walk in the light as we seek to honor and please the Lord who we love, who took us from being darkness and made us light. Let's pray. Lord, we find your word challenging. And yet we reflect in our own lives and the change that took place when we came to faith in you. And Lord, we, we thank you immeasurably for it. We cannot express the love that we feel for you for your kindness and righteousness and truth, for the example that you have set for us in these things. Lord, we would love each of us to please you in our lives. We would love to walk in the light. We would love to be satisfied knowing that you are watching, and it doesn't matter if anyone else sees or doesn't see. And so, Lord, would you help us with that as we go forward? Would you challenge us would you remind us of your gracious kindness that you are not a hard master? But would you help us to reflect as we live and act and do that we would do things that are good, that are right, that are true, and that we would walk in a way that is pleasing to you. In your name and for your glory we ask it.